welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. Luke writes, Now every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up, as usual, for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days... They found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety, He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated and welcome on this uh, first Sunday after Christmas. And uh, as Joyce and I were saying this, talking this morning, it's 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 the the anticlimax that is sometimes more difficult to bear than the frenetic pace building up to the holiday itself, to to Christmas. Um, You look around and you say, is that it? Is it done? And and so it brings on a certain kind of weariness, no matter how celebrative the uh, uh, Christmas was, I think Noel and I found it in our house. It was a busy uh, about a three-day long kind of unfolding of things that went late and even Christmas night. Uh, and, uh, and so, though it leaves you with a, a sort of an overwhelming sense of, of tiredness, but it ought to be a weariness full of, of content and satisfaction, I pray, for you and for your house. And you can see evidence of that. Even here this morning is... As no one was appointed to read the psalm, and then as uh, we struggled to just kind of get things back on track, uh, that's just the way it seems to be. But uh, the Christmas Eve service, uh, I, many of you were here, but 
uh, was was uh, delightful in every uh, sense of the word. It was intergenerational, with for the first time our brass ensemble uh, playing. Uh, that was a project that we had been undertaking for some time with a, a group of our high school students and uh, our vocalists. It uh, is always uh, a source of delight when I'm contacted, rather than contacting people, to say, would you contribute something to our Christmas Eve service? Would you sing for us? Uh, to have, uh, well, now a full-grown, approaching middle-aged woman call and say, can I sing when I come home? Uh, and so for them being able to contribute uh, just adds to that. Uh, and so uh, a very uh, a very blessed Christmas to all. And for all of you who participated in that, thank you. Um, we changed to that uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon uh, service just last year was the first time. So this year the second time that our Christmas Eve service was at 4 o'clock, and it's kind of the antithesis of the Easter sunrise service. Rather than folks gathering to watch for the sun to rise, we gathered and watched as the sun set, uh, as the stars came out on that holy night. Uh, and, uh, and so we got to participate in the, um, the closing of the day, and yet, uh, as it being early enough that children were still uh, uh, not only excited by adrenaline and sugar from cookies and things like that, still had enough energy they could go into the evening uh, at home with families. And uh, I think it turned to be a, a very great decision on the part of our church leadership to move uh, from that 7 o'clock hour that seemed to be set in stone to, and Leah, you're the one, uh, uh, to let's try 4 o'clock uh, and see what happens. And so it was a good choice, and thank you. Uh, for those who participated in it. Well, now New Year's Eve is upon us, huh? And we find ourselves in the middle of the 12-day season of Christmas, uh, following the season of Advent, now the second season of the church year, the 12 days of Christmas. And I begin um, with an observation, and I've made it before, and I'll make it again several times through the coming year, uh, that the existence of today's gospel lesson is but another example of the, uh, the debt owed to the physician, evangelist, and gospel writer whose only first name we know and nothing more about him, Luke. Okay, Luke. Recall that if it were not for Luke, uh, we would have be... Uh, uh, at a loss. And so he who was trained as a scientist, a proto-scientist anyway, a man of medicine of his day, uh, used to making diagnoses, used to looking at things and investigating things, uh, it was Luke uh, who gave us the Christmas story. Okay? It's where you find it in the Gospel of Luke. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Uh, and a decree went forth from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. Those are from Luke's pen. Uh, Luke went on then to write to, and we don't know if Theophilus, the recipient of Luke and the recipient of his second work, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, we don't know if Theophilus was a historical person or if you take that name apart in Greek, Theos and Philios was merely lovers of God. Okay, We don't know that for sure, but we know that uh, he was writing to Theophilus based upon his own investigative work. Luke didn't see any of this. 
okay? Uh, but he investigated it and wrote from reliable sources the story of Christ's life in the book that we know as Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, he wrote the history of the early church. Take those away, how much impoverished would we be? So without Luke, we'd have neither the Christmas story, nor would we have the account that you have just heard read to you today, the only account of Jesus' life between the events of his birth and the beginning of his ministry 30 years later. And so uh, this is an important piece of Christian literature. Luke discovered that the events of today's lesson took place when Jesus was 12 years of age. Now, again, bear in mind, he knows this because he interviewed, talked to, uh, visited with folks who had been probably part of that uh, family traveling together as they did for safety and security, who went up to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem, and you always come down from Jerusalem. Just count on it when you read. And they went up to Jerusalem, and they came down from Jerusalem, for it's the city on the hill. And so he interviewed them and discovered, or was told, was related to him, something they remembered, that when Jesus was 12, somehow he got left behind. Now, I'm guilty of that myself. I think it was, was it Sarah, Noel, or, or, or uh, uh, Emily? Who? Yes. Benjamin, that I left at the Centro once when he was a toddler. Yeah. Uh, and so it happens. It happened to me. But uh, we are told that uh, in the piety of Mary and Joseph, um, they made it a point to take their son every year, every year as was their custom, Luke says, uh, to uh, Jerusalem, to the holy city for uh, celebration of the Passover. And when that pilgrimage uh, and the observance of Passover in Jerusalem was ended, they were going to go down from Nazareth, uh, back to, to their life. Jesus' parents saw to it that, uh, uh, that Jesus was immersed as a child in the faith and practices of their religion. It was important to them. And uh, although still a child by age 12, I think we can assume that Jesus had, uh, for all of his conscious life, even though young, been absorbing in the temple the things of God, uh, had been listening and learning. He knew the streets of that fateful city, uh, and so he was probably less alarmed than they on the occasion of this pilgrimage when, in the hustle and bustle of packing and getting on the road for the return trip to Nazareth, Jesus was not missed by his parents and had remained behind in the temple complex. It was huge. It was square blocks big. And he was left behind. Now, then as now, 12-year-olds were budding social creatures, and they wanted to be with friends very often more than they wanted to be under the gaze of their parents. And so um, it was an easy, easy thing to happen. Was Jesus with John the Baptist? We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us that, but it's certainly a possibility. They were cousins, after all and would have been traveling likely in their caravan together with other family members. After the highly suggestive passage, though, of three days searching for Jesus, he was found in the temple proper. 
In response to what had to have been a, uh, a terrifying and gut-riching search by his parents, there was no 911 to call, Jesus expressed surprise that the temple hadn't been the first place they looked for him. Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? Why did you look anywhere else? Not understanding the full import of what the not-yet-adolescent child was implying, Jesus returned with Mary and Joseph to Nazareth, and we're told then by Luke uh, that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Just as she had pondered the events surrounding his birth and the visit of the shepherds in her heart, just a chapter before in Luke's Gospel, just as she had done in Luke 2, verse 19, Mary just knew, she just knew that this child was not just any child. And she pondered these things in her heart. And now consider this, about this time, when this took place, Mary was probably all at 25 years old. Finally, Luke was able to report that Jesus continued to increase in wisdom and grew and found favor both in the eyes of those who knew him and in the eyes of their God. In Nazareth, Jesus would have almost certainly learned the trade of a carpenter from Joseph. That would have been expected. Nazareth was uh, well known for uh, its carpentry and specifically the making of wooden plows. So it is quite likely that Jesus knew how to build a plow, could make a plow, would have learned that from Joseph. Today's reading would also be the last time that Joseph is mentioned in Scripture. Joseph had played his part. For that, he is rightly known to this day within the church of St. Joseph, and Joseph had been and proven to be a strong protector of the baby the youngster in his charge. That's a look just very briefly at that text before us that we are beholden to Luke for. And uh, I observe now as this New Year's Eve approaches and we find ourselves in the middle of the season of Christmas, the 12 days, as mentioned, we also this year find ourselves at the threshold of a new chapter in the life of this congregation. Well over 100 years old we are now. And within the new year, naturally comes the congregation's annual meeting. Uh, that comes at the end of January. And the annual meeting this time is, uh, as every time, for reviewing the past and planning for the future. What makes this year um, most unique for us, however, is with January also comes a vote to change the church's uh, affiliation and to move away from the ELCA to the NALC, the North American Lutheran Church, and much thought and prayer has gone into this process of discernment uh, over the course of the past year, more than a year of consultation with the bishop and with representatives of both bodies, meetings, discussions. These have been rewarding and informational on many levels, but the time for deciding is now upon the congregation. Will the congregation be left behind by the larger denominational body? Or will the years to come it find safe harbor with other like-minded confessional Lutherans in this new body? 
I think the lesson for today informs us as we move forward with the reminder that no much no matter how much no matter how well no matter how many your plans as Mary and Joseph discovered right uh, there are always some variables there're just some variables cannot be accounted for prior to the journey prior to the journey what remains though throughout most important is the congregation's fidelity to the gospel and how to interpret scripture is in part what defines the Lutherans within the broader context of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church as the creed says. Lutherans are not so arrogant or they ought not be. Lutherans ought not be so arrogant as to believe that they alone possess all truth regarding God. But neither do Lutherans yield to passing social conventions that change more rapidly today than ever before, often producing chaos and confusion. As a confessional movement, Lutheranism stands not only upon Scripture, but we acknowledge that we stand upon the shoulders of those who have gone before. Christ's apostles and the church's martyrs those such as Luke, whose words we are indebted to this day, and Stephen, the first martyr to die for the faith. Lutherans also embraced three creeds. In those creeds, we confess, explain the faith. The Augsburg Confession, part of that body of work from the 16th century, that both placed this reforming movement solemnly within the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, but also serve to remind us that Lutherans are reformers by nature. We are reformers, and that our reformation ongoing always seeks to keep the church with Christ as its center. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews reminds us, and we do well to remind ourselves. And so today's lesson that Andrea read from Colossians speaks well to both the congregation's place in its history and needs as the new year and next chapter unfolds. And so I close with words of Scripture. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindliness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish 
one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is through him and because of him that we are gathered in his name. He who came to share our lot, our humanity in life, and who in return for our faithfulness promises to share his glory with us. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.